Well, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and our Advent theme is? Thank you. Great job. We put it on the screen today just to help out a little bit there. But, uh, <laughs> but it is very near, uh, one week away, and we hope that you will join us next Sunday, bring your extended family on the special day of Christmas. Uh, it is going to be a a wonderful time of lots of singing, and I'll keep my message a bit shorter next Sunday, but uh, yeah, we hope to see you all here and uh, on that special day. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to say is stay tuned this week about Christmas caroling, because um, uh, they are, the forecast right now says six inches of snow on Thursday, so if that happens, we may look at changing the night on that or doing something, we'll, so stay tuned on that, we'll let you know. Let's turn in our Bibles today to the first chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. While you are finding that, I wanted to share something that I heard this week. It's, it's not something funny this time, but um, I heard this pastor who was talking about um, giving to Christ this Christmas. You know, a lot of times we will give presents to other people, family members, and so on, and that's wonderful. It's great that we do that. But this pastor was reminding us to give to Christ as well. And uh, so I wanted to encourage you with that thought this morning. And uh, something that our family uh, has done for years is we put an envelope on our Christmas tree. And uh, inside that envelope is something we have given uh, in the name of Christ to help somebody either in our community or uh, around the world. It's been various things uh, through the years. And uh, of course, our kids are grown and out of the house now. But our son Derek happened to stop in this past week. And he was looking at our Christmas tree. And you know what he said? He said, oh, the envelope's not up there yet. And so it just was a reminder for me of, of the impact that made even on our kids through the years as, we were, as they were growing up. But I just wanted to encourage you to think about what you can give to Christ this Christmas. It could be your time. It could be a monetary gift to a ministry or something that is reaching people in the name of Christ. And try to get creative with that and think, think large if you can. Okay, Matthew 1. Matthew begins his uh, gospel with the extensive genealogy of Jesus to remind us that Jesus is both the son of Abraham, the son of David, and also the son of God. And uh, as we see in these verses that follow this, that genealogy, Joseph is going to now become a part of that ancestry. I'm actually going to start reading in verse 17 um, as Matthew concludes that list, and then we will read down to verse 23. And I'm reading this from the New Living Translation today. All those listed above include 14 generations from Abraham to David, 14 from David to the Babylonian exile, and 14 from the Babylonian exile to the Messiah. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and, and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. As Matthew says in verse 18 here, this is how the Messiah's birth came to be. And you know, Luke chapter 2 actually gives us the Christmas story. Uh, we heard it wonderfully portrayed there by Gloria and Kim, and, and uh, it's so great that they have memorized that, and, and uh, it was great to hear them ha share that with us this morning. But if you think about Luke chapter 2, if Luke had not written his second chapter, we would have a, a lot harder time visualizing what this birth of Jesus in Bethlehem actually looked like some 2,000 years ago. And I say that because the other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and John, they don't give us a whole lot of detail about that wonderful world-changing night that happened in Bethlehem. But Matthew does give us this story about Joseph and Mary, which is leading up to that night. And it's interesting, really, to put yourself in the shoes of Joseph here. <clears throat> he is engaged to Mary, which in their culture at that time was almost like being married already. It's a little different than what the way we look at engagement here uh, today. Uh, so to break it off, to break off their engagement would have been um, really like a divorce. But what is he to do? I mean, he knows there's no way that he is physically the father. And yet he has to wonder how Mary has become pregnant. It would be interesting to know how that conversation went between Mary and, and Joseph when, when she informed him that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I mean, you, you could almost hear Joseph saying to her, you are what? <laughs> you are what? I mean, in Luke 1, of course, we see that part of the story where the angel Gabriel you know, comes to Mary and tells her what is taking place. But we don't have an account of what took place that first time that, that Mary tells Joseph about this supernatural occurrence within her that was beyond human logic or reasoning. You can understand the whirlwind of thoughts that Joseph must have been thinking. How can this be? 
Is she really telling me the truth? What should I do to protect Mary and also my, my own reputation? I mean, we don't see those exact verses or those exact questions in verse 19. But we are told there that Joseph is thinking about this dilemma. And he's, tr- he's trying to decide what to do. And then the angel comes to him in a dream. Matthew doesn't tell us if this was the angel Gabriel that visited Mary, but it very well could have been the same angel. In verses 20 through 21, the angel tells Joseph what God is up to. He basically confirms what Mary has said about the child within her being conceived by the Holy Spirit. And uh, the angel tells him the name of the child is going to be Jesus and that he's going to save all of the people from their sins. Now, Matthew says that this occurrence was, of course, confirmed by the prophet Isaiah, which he had prophesied many years before that a virgin was going to conceive a child and that they would call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. In verse 24, it says that Joseph did what the angel commanded and took Mary to be his wife. Even though he knew people would talk, people would judge, and people would be skeptical, skeptical, that's a hard word, skeptical, there we go, about their story. I mean, there was, there was a lot to fear. But the first thing the angel said to Joseph when he came to him in that dream was, do not be afraid. That phrase or, or words similar to that phrase are a common theme throughout the Bible. The Lord spoke those words often to people. Jesus spoke them often in in the Gospels. We heard that in John 6 that was read earlier where where Jesus comes to the disciples on the, the Sea of Galilee and he says, it is I, don't be afraid. Even in Luke 2, the Christmas story, the angel says those words to the shepherds in the fields as they are told the good news that's going to cause great joy for all people. It said it says there that the, the shepherds were, were terrified when the angel appeared. And we can understand that. We would probably be terrified as well if we were in their position. But the first words shared with them are once again, do not be afraid. I mean we can we can relate, can't we? Maybe not to the exact things that Mary and Joseph and the shepherds were experiencing in the Christmas story. But we battle with fear, worry, anxiety, questions sometimes, and difficult decisions. We deal with those often in our lives today. So how do we how do we handle those? Joseph and Mary are great examples for us to follow. 
Now, fear, fear can mean a lot of different things. Um, in some verses in the Bible, of course, we are told to, to fear the Lord. Now, that's a, different, that's a different kind of fear, of course. That means that we are to revere the Lord. We are to be in awe of, of God. And it's really a call for obedience and trust in our, in our lives when we, when we see that in, in Scripture. When we fear, when we fear God, we, we bow down to worship him, and we really take in all that Jesus has done for us. We proclaim with our life that, yes, he is the Messiah. Jesus is our Lord and Savior. So that could actually be a good, a good kind of fear. And then there's that, that built-in part of us that, you know, reacts to urgent situations that come up in life where our adrenaline rush and an immediate response to a tense situation is needed. And, you know, if you're in a position to save someone from a, a burning house or you help someone that's been in a, a car wreck in front of you, your, your God-given nervous system, it kicks in in those types of situations. And so, you know, that kind of instant fear or adrenaline rush that can also be a good thing because it can aid us as we try to aid others or, or help someone in a tough situation. But then there is that fear that we deal with most often in life, the fears of our everyday life. They can range from our families and our health. I'm dealing with it some this morning. Uh, I thought it was interesting that News came of my mom just this morning, and so I'm thinking about the message and what I'm preaching today as I'm thinking about all of that. And so it can range from things in our families. It can range uh, our health, our jobs, our school, our church, our world, the things going on. And we have questions. We have questions about, okay, what, what are we going to do in some of those situations? What are we going to say how are we going to respond to the multitude of things that, that tend to come up? Those are evident, really, in this story of, of Joseph. I mean, those fears about relationships, maybe finances, jobs, school, things in the world. All of those occur in the scriptures as well. They really occur throughout the scriptures. But God always has one message for us. The same message over and over. Do not be afraid. Fear not. As it says on the front of the bulletin today. And then the message, of course, that often follows that is, I will be with you. I will help you through this. I will give you guidance. I will not leave you alone. In so many ways, that is why God sent Jesus to earth and, and called him Emmanuel. Because what does Emmanuel mean? God is with us. God is with us. What is your greatest fear today? Maybe I've mentioned it in what I've said already. Maybe I haven't. Maybe it's, it's something else. But I think it's important for us to name what those fears are 
and to name those things that are, are weighing us down. What fear has been consuming most of your thoughts recently? What fear has you sinking in worry? I'd like, it, I'd like us just to take a moment this morning. Let's bow our heads. Just bow your head like we're going to pray. Close your eyes. And I'd like you to think about what those fears have been for you lately. What is weighing you down? What's consuming your thoughts? What's leading you to worry or to lose hope? Okay, you can look up again. As you think about those things that come to your mind, how have you been allowing your faith in Jesus to help you overcome them? When, when Matthew shares that story of Jesus coming to the disciples, walking on the water, he shares something that John leaves out of his account of that. Peter actually steps out of the boat and he steps out into the water with Jesus and he starts to, to walk on the water towards Jesus. But then Peter starts to look back, see how far the boat was. He, start, he looks down, he sees the water splashing around his feet. He feels the wind blowing and he starts to sink. Those things happened because he took his eyes off of Jesus and started to focus on the circumstances around him. And that's how fear often works on us as well. We give, you know, we give in to those fears. We allow them to start controlling us and, and consume us and keep us up at night we too often really allow this small trickle of worry to seep into our mind until it becomes uh, the source in which all of our thoughts become focused on. And it really can affect us that much to the point that we become a slave to our fears. We give them way more attention than they deserve. I love that one song that says, I'm no longer a slave to fear. Why? Because I'm a child of God. And so I don't have to be a slave to fear. We should not take our eyes off of Jesus. And, and this constant theme in Scripture, it is there for a reason. Do not be afraid. God says it. The angels say it. David says it numerous times in the Psalms. Jesus says it often in the Gospels. And Paul mentions it in the New Testament. So how can, how can we not apply our faith and our daily life to that? You know, last week we talked about the virtue of patience. And 
We talked about how hard that virtue can sometimes be. But this vice of fear is also a hard one to overcome. I love what, I love what verse 24 says today. It says, Joseph heard this explanation, this promise, and this command. And he did what the angel said. He took Mary as his wife and he placed his fears in the hands of God. I heard a saying one time that is, is really good and it goes well with this. It said, fear knocked at the door, faith answered, and no one was there. Pastor Tony Evans talks about this, and uh, he gives uh, the illustration of a young child and their parents. He was actually preaching on Psalm 23, uh, which says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. He said that most of our children, of course, when they're growing up, they will go through a time in which they are scared of thunderstorms and nightmares and things that might be living under their bed or things that might be living in their closet. <clears throat> they will wake up and what's the first thing that they do? They walk through the dark valley of their room, bedroom. They walk down the dark valley of the hallway and they walk to the valley of your bedroom. <laughs> they jump in your bed because what they need is somebody to be with them. And our hugging of them and our consoling them, of course, that doesn't stop the thunderstorm. But you see, it changes how they face it. They face it in your arms, and they fall back asleep because you are holding them and you are helping them to face those fears. And so Pastor Evans says that that's exactly what the Lord does for us. When we turn to Him and when we trust in the Lord, He will help us to face those fears and those insecurities with peace and calm. Whatever fears or circumstances you were thinking about when you bowed your head earlier, I hope you will realize that you can turn to Jesus as you go through that valley of fear and fear no evil. He is with you and his words are clear. Do not be afraid. As we, uh, I hope as we think about this story of Joseph, the words of David and the words of Jesus and the promises that we have in Scripture, that we will get a step ahead of those fears in our life. And, you know, we need, to, we need to name them. We need to name what they are. 
We need to blame those fears for stealing our peace in life. And then we need to reclaim our faith in Jesus to calm those fears and to calm us as well. I've mentioned many of the words of Scripture this morning that help us to reclaim that, you know, that trust in the Lord. But perhaps the most direct are those that come from God through the prophet Isaiah. We've heard many of the prophecies of Isaiah uh, through the Advent season about the birth of our Savior Jesus that was coming. But the promise in Isaiah 41 verse 10 is one of my favorite. favorite. It says, don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You see, we don't need to fear anything in life because God is with us. He sent Jesus to this earth to make that very clear for us. God has established a relationship with us through his son Jesus and has given us his assurance of strength, help, and victory over fear, sin, and even death. We've been talking, you know, about restoration during this Advent season. And that's really a, a great way to, to summarize all of this. God has restored us in Jesus. We keep saying that restoration is near, but of course that's just leading, up, leading us up to Christmas Sunday Next Sunday, when restoration is here with the birth of Jesus in Bethlehem. And so whatever fears Joseph may have had about taking Mary to be his wife and, and becoming the earthly father of God's son, he, he faced those fears with confidence that God, the God who called him to this was going to be with him as he went through it. In Luke 1, of course, Mary responded in the same way. It says there in Luke 1 that the angel Gabriel also told her, do not be afraid. And what was Mary's response? Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And so next Sunday we are going to celebrate that night in Bethlehem in which it did come true. And uh, I sure, I do hope you will join us, as I said, and bring your extended family. We're going to have lots of Christmas songs and music, and uh, the title of next week's message is going to be Restoration is Here. And so let's stand together, if you're able, and close our service today with a word of prayer. Don't forget to come back tonight, 6 p.m., for our Christmas program. Bring some friends and bring a finger food or two and uh, plan to join us also for the fellowship time afterwards as, as well. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We praise you and we thank you for sending your son Jesus to save us and deliver us from our sins and our fears.
And Lord, we pray that as we face those fears in life, that we would remember we have your source of strength, that you will, that you will be with us, that you will walk with, those fe- with us through those fears, that we don't have to feel like we are alone and facing those difficult times on our own. Lord, I, I pray that we would name our fears and know what they are, that we would blame those fears and not ourselves for our feelings. But Lord, I pray that we would be reminded and reclaim our faith in you who has told us time and time again, do not be afraid. I am with you. I will be with you. And I will help you through this. So Lord, whatever fear was on our minds this morning, I pray that we would trust in you and that we would look to you to help us to face those fears and to see us through them. Pray, Lord, that you would just be with all of us in this week leading up to Christmas. Help us to remain in your peace and calm. Help us not to get too stressed out and uh, so on about all of the Christmas activities. We pray, Lord, that we may be able to find your peace and your... uh, your silent night in the midst of all of our activity. Just be with each one here this morning and each one watching online. Just pray your blessing on us this week and gather us back here again next Sunday to celebrate the birth of Jesus, our Savior. And all God's people said, amen. Have a wonderful week, everyone.